Welcome to Senior Insight. I'm your host, Tom Stanback, and my guest today is Dave Shellcroft, who is the Director of Senior Protection Unit for the Pennsylvania Office of the Attorney General. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. And Dave, tell me a little bit about you and your background and how you got involved with the Attorney General's Office and your responsibilities in the Attorney General's Office. Sure, gladly. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud and honored to be representing our Attorney General, Josh Shapiro. And uh, I'll tell you, the office does fantastic things. You know, we do a lot of great stuff for our seniors. And, you know, it's just an honor to be here. And I started out in law enforcement in the early 80s as an auxiliary police officer in Bristol Borough, Pennsylvania. And then in 1986, I was appointed as a sheriff's deputy for the Bucks County Sheriff's Office. And I served there 21 years. I was the investigator in charge of our fugitive unit. And then I retired out early uh, to have a unique opportunity. I was employed as a contractor through a federal agency, uh, the Homeland Security. I had special projects with Homeland Security. And from there, I luckily found a great opportunity here at the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General in 2008. So I've been with the office about 11 years now. With that experience, I'm glad to have you here today. <laughs> and Dave, what I'd like to talk about, um, uh, senior scams. And a couple of things I want to ask you about the different scams that are going on. So how about we start with that phone call that seniors usually get about, um, let's say, Social Security. There's a concern with their Social Security. What should they do? Well, you know, we get a lot of complaints, Tom, about these calls, and we call those the government imposter phone call. It could be they're calling from Social Security office. They could say they're calling from the IRS. That seems to be very popular right now. We also uh, hear calls that claim to be the FBI or even the state attorney general's office. So when you're receiving a call that someone is telling you they're a government agency, first thing you have to ask yourself is, did I receive any written notification prior to the call? You know, any legitimate government office is going to send you by mail prior to calling you. And they're only going to call you for follow-up information. They're never going to call with threats. And a lot of these phone scams start out with a threat. They're going to tell you there's a problem with your Social Security number being misused. They're going to tell you that your IRS taxes are overdue and you failed to comply with something. And they may even tell you they have an arrest warrant. You know, and we just often want to remind our seniors not to panic. The worst thing you can do is get overly excited and start giving out information to an unknown caller. Okay. Dave, just just the other day, I had one of those calls. Oh, it was no. an automated call, and they were calling from the Social Security. So I listened to the automated call, and then I hung up. I uh, never heard, heard back from them anything, but uh, I did copy the phone number and everything, and I want to turn it over to the authority so they can have that phone number. So it's interesting that we would start off our conversation with that. The other thing I wanted to talk about is sometimes our viewers get calls about their credit card and they, they'll ask, well, before we go any further, I'd like to have your credit card number first. <laughs> yeah. What should they do? Well, first thing is never, never give out financial or personal information to an unknown caller. And if they are your credit card company, they should not ask you for that. They already have that information. I always remind our seniors, you know, and everyone, our viewing audience, we should, should apply this to everyone. The first thing you want to do is first confirm the caller. And how do you do that? By hanging up and getting last month's billing statement, Tom. It has customer service phone number right on it. And uh, if it is your credit card service, it's also on the bottom of your credit card, but it's very small. It might be difficult to see. But that monthly statement is your key 
to the real customer service number and you call them and ask if there's an issue of concern that you need to be looking at. Okay, that is great information, Dave, because a lot of folks don't think about that. As you say, they'll panic and all of a sudden they're, all, they're giving out their credit card number. And I know one of the calls that uh, I had a senior tell me about was they got their phone call and they told me, says, well, if you don't have your credit card in front of you, we'll wait. <laughs> oh, sure, they'll wait, yeah. And, 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 and the person told me, says, they actually waited for me to come back. And I, when I, and I came back and I said, well, I'm back. And they said, okay, what is your phone number? Then what is your credit card number? They hung up. She hung up on us. I said, well, thank God for that. Yes. And, and you, you, you talk about our local authorities and how they handle things with uh, scammers. And are you seeing that some of these folks who are running these scams, are they being caught and prosecuted? Well, Tom, you know, that's an excellent question. And, and occasionally they are. And the problem with the whole thing, first off, is the issue of jurisdiction. We don't know where a lot of the scammers are operating from. They're not normally right around the corner. Quite often, they're on the other side of the globe. And they can remotely hide and disguise where they're calling from by uh, using technology to alter the caller ID. So even if you have caller ID, I often stress not to trust it. It may show that it's Visa customer service. That doesn't guarantee that it is. So when we have jurisdictional issues, you know, it's great to call the local police and report it because I want them to know what's happening in their community. I also think it's beneficial of the victim to have a statement, a report from the local police, and they should also contact us at the Office of Attorney General and file a consumer protection complaint. Okay. Now let's talk about, to me, a biggie. They get a phone call and they're telling you that they have a grandchild or your daughter who is in trouble and they need to be, they need money to get them out of trouble. What should they do? Call your family and verify if everyone's home safe and sound, right? Very first thing to do. Tell the person on the line, sorry, I'm gonna have to call you back and simply call, and they're gonna ask you, beg you not to call mom and dad, right? If it's your grandchild, they're gonna say, oh, mom and dad will be so mad, please don't let them know. I'll pay you back, grandma, grandpa. Don't fall for that. Usually it's not your grandchild or your family member on the phone, it's a scam artist. Right. And they're gonna try to get you to make some type of payment, whether using a MoneyGram or Western Union electronic transfer of funds, mm -hmm. or possibly a prepaid debit or gift cards. Yeah. Don't ever use any of those means to make a payment and if you can't guarantee who it is and what it's for. Hang up, call the house, ask if your grandchildren or your family member is okay if they're home, contact them and check before you do anything. Okay, and should they also write that number down and, and be able to and pass that on to the authorities just in case you, you might be able to hopefully get a rundown on these scammers or whatever? You know, Tom, the more information, the better, right? So okay. yeah, we will gladly take your complaint. We'll gladly okay. take any phone numbers, names that were used. Uh, you know, the Federal Trade Commission works with us very closely and there's a, an operation there called Senatal. And that's where they log all this information from these type of scams and complaints. And law enforcement nationwide has access to use that database to then search and cross check any names that are being used, 
addresses for shipments of money and credit cards and gift cards. So all information is valuable. We'll take it. And Absolutely. That's good to know and that you can go to your local uh, police department and be able to give that information. I, they, it's just so many things that are going on in today's society that you feel real bad about seniors and what's going on. And, and not only seniors, our viewers also. And, and they need to be aware of what's going on. But it, it's, it's, it's so relaxing to me to know that we have people as yourself and you're working for the Attorney General's office and what you do to be able to help seniors be more knowledgeable about what's going on in this world and that they do have someone there. Now I'd like to talk about the scams of people identifying themselves as a, a handyman who might want to do work at your house and they knock on the door. What should they do? Well, first thing I always tell you, you know, these curbside contractors, I call them. Tom, these are the guys that pull up in a van or a pickup truck. They get out and they point out problems on your property. First question, did you call for anyone to come out and assess your property? If you haven't called a contractor, he's probably not the guy to deal with, number one. Number two, ask for credentials. Are you licensed and registered? You know, locally, a lot of townships and boroughs have licensing. And across the state, the Office of Attorney General, our Bureau of Consumer Protection, does a home improvement contractor registration that's required by law. Get that registration number, go to our website at attorneygeneral.gov and verify if the number matches the name of the business. Okay, Dave, that's something I wasn't aware of and that's good information. But now let's talk about that guy who shows up at your door with the yellow vest and the hard hat and identifies himself as one of the utility workers for one of the utility companies, the electrical or the water. What should, what should we do as far as that's concerned? Well, you know, if anyone's going to come in an official capacity from the water company, uh, electric company, Pico, or what have you, or even the township, wouldn't they normally be driving some official vehicle? Look out the window before you open the door. I always remind our residents to stay locked behind closed doors. Keep that barrier. Your front door, your windows, they're your barriers to the outside world. Keep them locked and secured. Take a look out the window. Is there an official vehicle parked nearby? Do they seem to have official material on, clothing, uniform? Do they have an ID they can show you through the window? Don't unlock and open the door. A lot of home invasion robberies start that way. They'll get that appearance, they'll knock, they'll have the clipboard perhaps or a tool belt on, they look pretty official. Like you said, Tom, that yellow vest, right? Don't open the door until you have verification. And not only do they have an employee ID, I'd want to compare that to their driver's license. Ask for both. If you're not sure, play it safe and play it smart. That's what 911 is all about. Dial 911, advise the dispatcher that you need a local police officer to come out and verify the person at your front door. Don't open the door. And Dave, also they need to make sure that that person is either by themselves or they have a partner with them. Because you know, a lot of times that one person can be knocking on the door and get their attention and the partner is around on the back side of the house checking to see if the back door is open or windows open so i, I think that's uh, one of the things that they also need to be aware of and, and tom thank you for bringing that up because that is exactly true we have often heard of these cases one example is when we get back to the, like the contractor thing 
the driveway sealer, right? Mm -hmm. You get that in your neighborhood during the summer and early fall. The guy comes by, hey, I have material left over. I'm going to top coat your driveway. You pay me cash. And sometimes these folks will keep you busy out front. Like you said, there might be another person in partnership with them that you don't see going in your back door to take your valuables. Keep your home locked and secured, even when you are home. More importantly, when you are home, you're the most precious thing in your home, right? Valuables and belongings are insured and can be replaced. You cannot. Don't take risks. Call 911 if you're suspicious in any way. Let the police do their job. They'll gladly investigate. And when it comes to these home improvement guys and contractors and government impersonators, just don't take chances. If you didn't call on them, you probably don't need to deal with them. Okay. Now, Dave, my next question is I call this buyer and seller beware. Because a lot of times seniors have moved out of their homes and they're downsizing and they might have a lot of furniture and they want to get rid of some of the furniture and they decide to go online and sell the furniture online and have someone either meet them in person or whatever. How should they handle that situation? You know, I always remind folks not to invite strangers to your home, right? What did we learn as children, Tom? Don't talk to strangers strangers right. but as adults we don't practice that as often as we really should and i think that's an excellent example that you made tom when you're internet shopping to sell or buy anything that you find on these internet marketplaces be cautious you don't know who is behind the screen they might send you a photo of themselves but is that their true image they give you a name how do you know if it's actually them and then they want to meet you and when they dictate the location they're in control of the outcome. You need to be in control. You select your destination to meet. And I always say, you look up the street address to your local police department parking lot, and that's where you tell them to meet. You don't mention it's the police department. You tell them the street address, and if they're up to no good when they pull in, they'll probably keep on driving, Tom. Okay, because I, I can tell you, Dave, that I, I did go with one of my neighbors one time, and luckily we were in the parking lot of one of the national uh, grocery stores. And, uh, and she was a female and she was by herself and she was able to make the transaction. I was right there with her and I made sure that they got the item out of her car and I also made that she got paid. And I, what I did was I told her, don't move, let them pull off first and then we'll pull off. So we did do that. This same neighbor of mine was selling some, some products out of her house, uh, a desk. And she called me and she says, can you come over? I have some people coming over to pick a desk up that I sold online. So I said, sure, I'll come over. And I was just sitting in the house, just nice and casual. And the people knocked on the door. Luckily, it was a young couple, wife and, and husband. Not saying they, they could also be a scam artist too, mm -hmm. but they were very nice. They came in, uh, they paid her. I asked, I said, did you get the money that you were asking for the desk, she said yes. And I said, okay, you can move the desk out. And I didn't help them move the desk or anything. They carried the desk out. Sure. Uh, and what I did was I followed them outside and waited for them to pull off. And then when they pulled off and I went back in to tell her everything was okay. And that was just me being a neighbor and being a good friend. And that's great, Tom. You know, the only problem is like folks to think, well, I had someone with me. Well, that's good, right? Always have someone, a right. companion, a friend, a witness, right? But here's the problem, if you don't meet off-site, if you meet at your home, 
they might have been fine and they left, but now they know where that woman lives mm -hmm. and they have the address. Right. What stops them from repeating a visit when you're not aware and you're not at home, right? right? So I really recommend that we don't have people coming to our home addresses. What else can our viewers do to help identify these scam artists? Excellent question. Again, Tom, you know, you're right on the topics that we need to share with our viewers. You know, we want everyone to realize that you're not going to know every story or pitch what we say is a the beginning of a scam. You know, how do they approach you? It's going to vary. And there's always little differences depending on the region of where the scam artist uh, might be perpetrating it from. But one thing you can always trust is the mechanics are usually the same. They all have an emotional trigger. It's not about intelligence. I often have victims say, well, how could I be so dumb? And, and I say, please don't say that. It's not about intelligence. It's emotional trigger. You know, when somebody says, Grandmom, I'm in trouble on that phone call we discussed, what's the emotion? Your care and concern for your grandchild. You get upset right away, right? If they tell you it's the sweepstakes, you won $1.5 million, what's the emotion? Joy. Right. Yeah. So there's always an emotional trigger. Even the romance scam, the emotion is compassion and love, right? You found someone. Mm -hmm. Don't let the emotions take over your mind. Let your mind decide, does this make sense? Does it sound legitimate? Think of the word scam itself, S-C-A-M. Sudden contact, you must act now, money or information required. So S, sudden, C, contact, A, act now, M, money or information, scam. Usually that's the way they run. You're not expecting the phone call. They tell you you have to act quickly and they want your money or your info. Always a scam. So you can detect scams even if you haven't heard the pitch. Okay. Dave, I, I just thought about something that you mentioned. What about these online dating services that oh, they have for yeah. seniors and also for our viewers? What about those? How cautious should they be about those? Extremely cautious. You know, everyone's looking for someone to have in their life, and that's great. We all need compassion. We all need companionship. But be careful. A person that you have an interest in and in, in, in maybe just dating or having some conversation with shouldn't be asking to borrow money from you right away. Even a few months down the road, way too soon. And someone who never seems to be available for a personal meeting, that's suspicious. They have to go out of town, like far away, out of the country on business quite often. That should be suspicious. You can't just let your feelings flood in and just be overtaken with that relationship. You have to take your time and you have to verify who it is that you're communicating with before sharing any real personal details. Okay. And Dave, one of the things I would like to say is that I would like to see some of our seniors get more involved in some of the local senior centers because that is a good outlet for them and to be able to meet friends. They go on day trips uh, and they do a lot of things out of these senior centers. And I think that would be a good way for a lot of seniors to get out of the house and not be bored and get away from receiving some of these phone calls right. uh, that they may uh, receive. So, and, and I think that would just be a great way for them to do things. And Dave, how often, or I don't want to say how often, but are these scam artists being caught? You know, Tom, we try to do as much as we can within our limits of jurisdiction and authority, and that's where the problem is. You know, there's so many scam artists. We're overwhelmed with complaints. The federal agencies are overwhelmed with complaints and the local police. 
we don't have the reach. We do occasionally get a win, right? Okay. You know, our office, we have arrested a Jamaican lottery scammer. He made the mistake of using a person out of the Pittsburgh area as a mule to move some of the money. Another victim who he turned into an accomplice. We were able to track that person down, locate the person, and the scam artist himself came into the United States and was on our home security watch list. We were able to make that arrest and make a prosecution. Well, that's good to know, Dave. But it's not as often as we would like, Tom. Yeah. You know, we would love to arrest them all. We're just not capable. So the key to this, uh, to be warning people is the real answer here, are educational programs. The Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, is very big about community engagement. How do we reach the public? How do we warn the public? What resources can we make available to the public? And that's how we win the battle against fraud and scams. Okay. Now, Dave, you mentioned your programs. What type of programs do you have that educate seniors in reference to uh, scam artists and uh, these other professionals who might come at them to try to, to scam them out of their money? You know, that's great. We have many programs that we can offer, and they're all free, and that's the key. You know, we make it available. All you need to do is contact the office, and we're there. We'll come out, we'll speak on identity theft, you know, credit card skimmers, how your credit card could be compromised at the gas pump, at the ATM, or at the store. We'll talk about phone scams. We'll talk about mail fraud and internet fraud. We could talk even about older adult bullying issues and concerns in your neighborhood and your community. And not only do we offer senior programs, we offer programs for the entire family, students at the schools, family nights, parents' nights, and we also go out to corporate events, groups like the Rotaries, the Lions Club, etc. So we're very much available. If you go to our website, you can learn all about our public engagement opportunities. Okay, now you mentioned your website. Is there any other way they can call a helpline or phone numbers or anything that they can get in contact with the state attorney general's office? Yes, Tom, they do. We have a great way to reach in. We have a senior helpline, which is dedicated to helping our older adults across the Commonwealth. It's a toll-free number, and it's available daily during business hours from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that number is 1-866-623-2137. And that can be available to you. And the best news is we don't make you push buttons. Okay. Yeah, That's Attorney General good. Shapiro said, let's get live people answering the phone so you That's get to good. talk with someone. I know a lot of our older adults, myself included, get frustrated on those phone lines where you have to keep pushing the buttons. Right. So we did away with the buttons. Okay, is there a website also? We do. We can go to www.attorneygeneral.gov. And if you have anything suspicious in your inbox on your emails, you can forward them to scams at attorneygeneral.gov. Dave, I'd like to thank you for being my guest. Dave Shellcross, the Director of Senior Protection Unit for the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General. Until next time, this is Senior Insight. I'm Tom Stanback. Thank you for watching UMGA TV.